it doesn't rule out that reasonable assurance might become a thing that they have to do. I, I can't see it happening in, in, in my own experience, but um, interesting. The Cohen Report, a no-holds-barred review of what's hot and what's not in integrated reporting. The world's only integrated reporting podcast with your hosts, Neil and Simon. We're back. Another episode of the Cohen Report, Bite Size. I'm Neil, your host, joined by Simon. Hello. We're going to talk very briefly today about the new proposal from the EU Commission on uh, non financial well, they call it the Sustainability Reporting Directive that came out, uh, this proposal came out, um, 21st of April was shown on the on the paperwork, but it's quite interesting and we thought we'd have a, a quick look at it and see how it affects companies going forward and how it changes the reporting landscape, if at all. So yeah, I thought I'd start with a little bit of history about the proposal and as much as we know it, this starts, I think, from the EU Directive on, uh, I'm not sure the official terminology for it, but is it the EU Directive on Non-Financial Reporting Information? Or? Yeah, I think it's the Non-Financial Reporting Directive. Non-Financial Reporting Directive there. I've always got you, Simon, to uh, give me the correct terminology there. So this was uh, from the EU Commission, I believe, and this is regulation that came in. That regulation came in a couple of years ago. Um, it was proposed a few years before that. It went through the the, the formal process of being approved and then each country had to implement it into their own legislation and that is as we know it, usually it results in a country or in, in a company in a specific country to publish a, a non-financial information statement and it's based on four I want to say principles but four sort of disclosure areas. Some companies are still getting their head around it to be honest but there's a new proposal on the table from the commission, uh, the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive proposal at first glance it seems like not a lot but when you dig a little bit deeper this might have wider reaching ramifications shall we say to, to more companies so I thought it would be good to look at that so what are the main changes proposed and who is most affected? I thought it'd be good to look at that. And the big change for me that I notice is that they are proposing that SME, small to medium-sized enterprises, are now in scope of this directive, if you will. They're now in scope of having to disclose non-financial information. And that, according to the paperwork that we have from, from the European Commission, that is taking it from round about 11,000 companies at the moment in the EU, I believe, up to some, you know, if SMEs are in scope of this, up to about 50,000 companies. So that's quite a, a substantial increase. So that would mean around about 50,000 companies are now have to disclose non-financial information. What do you think of that? Do you think that's a um, do you think it's fair? Well, I think it's it's certainly the big change. It's if this directive goes through and it's still it's still two or three years off. If it goes through, that will be the big change. It will be extending the scope of non-financial reporting to to SMEs. So you'll find a lot of companies who haven't had to do much reporting and certainly haven't had to do this kind of reporting will now have to do it. So I suppose the first thing to say is that it will put an extra reporting burden on. SMEs, particularly SMEs who are listed. Now, the, the Commission's argument is that, A, that would have happened anyway, because you're seeing a lot of uh, creditors and banks are putting a lot more pressure on these companies to provide this kind of information. So it would have happened anyway. The second reason is, is really that if you want sustainability to be a success, if you want to transform our economies, if you want to make them greener economies, more sustainable economies, then SMEs obviously have to be part of, of that equation. And that fundamentally, I think, is the Commission's argument. Yeah. I wonder if the SMEs will have the same argument internally. That would be an interesting thing. Well, I mean, I think it will, they'll be much like uh, large companies i think some some will embrace mm. sustainability some have already embraced sustainability uh some will see this as an additional cost and an additional burden so yeah. i think you you'll, you'll see a lot of different reactions is, is my guess 
probably worth noting that the, the reason, one of the reasons cited is for doing this, uh, for the proposal in the first place, is that there is a, a real quality difference, you know, in the way that people are reporting currently under the current directive, and it's yeah. not comparable. It's making it very difficult to compare one company to the next, one country to the next, etc. So that was the rationale, I think, behind which is um, Which is true, but it's a slightly fallacious argument because you don't solve that by extending the scope. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, those two things. I mean, I think it's certainly true that there's a problem with the quality of, of reporting and that there's a problem with the, getting the right data, having it uh, having it audited properly and making it comparable with at least with other companies in, in, in different sectors. But you're not going to solve that simply by extending the scope. True, but I think, and we'll talk about this, some of the other things that they propose might at least get it in that direction, might get us along that way. I, I think it's also important at this this point, when we talk about the big changes and when we talk about SMEs now being in scope, that one of the proposals is that they develop a proportionate set of standards for these SMEs. And I think that's key. Now, we don't know what that means yet, but at face value, I, I see this as a smaller set of standards, less, shall we say, cumbersome or less... You Mm. Um, wide reporting. Expensive. Yeah, I mean, that's one way of looking at it. We'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah, so it's, I think the idea is they, they, they maybe create a smaller set of standards that apply to mm. SMEs that are, you know, maybe not listed or, or you know, not as large as some of the, the global companies. They've certainly, I mean, from, from the material we have, which is obviously not, not complete yet, they're obviously trying to sweeten the pill and that's one way they're doing it. I think they're trying to to make the set of standards a little bit, accommodate the resources that SMEs might have. I mean, the other way that it is on the insur- assurance side, on the audit side, but I'll let you come on to that, I think. Yeah, another big change is an audit requirement has been brought into the proposal. So they are looking at making it a requirement to audit the report. This applies to large companies as a directive applies to large companies just now, but also I believe to small companies and their proposal only limited assurance, which is no small task. I mean, you know, if you're a small SME, if if you're an SME um, and you suddenly you've got this audit requirement landing on your desk, I mean, that is, that is a big undertaking, limited assurance or not. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I think this is the way of tackling the commission's point about the quality of reporting. Yep. So I think, you know, if you introduce assurance, even if it's limited assurance, as you say, it's still assurance and it's still a big, it's still a big task, especially if you haven't had to assure any of this kind of data before. Yeah. But again, it's going to be something that SMEs will have to adjust to. They'll have to find the resources and it will mean an additional uh, an additional burden, an additional cost. Yeah, I think I wanted to read a little bit out of the out of the announcement that we have about assurance and why they are not proposing reasonable assurance, which I think is great because you know the burden is going to be high on SMEs anyway who've never done assurance, as you mentioned. But mm-hmm. so it says the proposal would, for the first time, introduce a general EU-wide audit assurance requirement for reported sustainability information. So that's what we've just said, and then it goes on later and, and says reasonable assurance of sustainability reporting is difficult at this stage in the absence of sustainability assurance standards mm. because we don't have a, a, an individual assurance standard relating to sustainability data as I understand it. We're, um, we're not auditors. We work very closely with them but we're not auditors so let's not pretend we know this. But then it says, the, it goes on to say the proposal therefore gives the commission the possibility of adopting such standards and that is quite key. If if the proposal, if the commission does adopt such standards, as I understand it, it would then make it a legal requirement automatically that reasonable 
rainbow assurance is used instead of limited assurance. So that's quite a big thing, I thought. I, I guess the chances of them adopting these assurance standards is, is quite slim because I think there'd be a, a lot of pushback. But it doesn't rule out that reasonable assurance might become a thing that they have to do. I, I can't see it happening in, in, yeah. in my own experience, but... Um, Interesting. Well, I think, I mean, I think their diagnosis is is right, which is that we're seeing a lot more sustainability reporting, but there's still a quality issue. Yeah. And there's still data that isn't comparable and there's no particular agreement on standards. So some of those things we have to sort out. And I think the commission in that sense is going in the right direction. So it's saying that one of the ways to sort out the problem with the quality is to have assurance mm-hmm. and to make sure that all companies that really have an impact on how sustainable the overall economy is should fall under the directive and should have their reporting information assured. So I think the general move is definitely in the right direction and they definitely diagnose the they definitely diagnose the issue correctly. In practice. Um, I mean the, the the devil is a little bit in the detail, which yeah. is of course, you know, how are SMEs going to adapt? How are they going to get this information? How are they going to report it? How are they going to organize themselves for an audit? What kind of resources will be needed? And but that that is a couple of years down the line because yeah. this is just the very beginning of the entire commission process when it yeah. comes to directives. Yeah. And interestingly, which is good news for consultants like ourselves and something that we've been big advocates of for a long time is the commission's proposal was allowing member states to open up the market for sustainability assurance services and from their tech so-called independent assurance services providers. So yeah. I think that's, that's um, largely saying yeah, you, you don't have to look to the big four. You don't have to look yeah. at the, the, the large players. You don't have to look at your current financial auditor. Yeah, that's a very interesting, interesting thing. I mean, and to some extent, what you're trying to do, I think it's very natural for a company to turn to their financial auditor to ask for a non-financial audit. And of course, those financial auditors have bags of experience and they know exactly what they're doing. Um, and they increasingly have very big audit teams devoted to non-financial data. But that phrase from the commission, the independent assurance providers, that opens the field up a little bit. But it also asks the question of what about what's the nature of the assurance that you want. So the current our current system is very good at assuring the process. So do you have the right data? Is it collected properly? Do you have proper definitions in place? Do you have a proper methodology? It's very, very good on that. But as we've discussed before, it sometimes misses out on the bigger picture. Mm. And I think a lot of what the commission is saying is about that bigger picture. You know, if we want a sustainable, greener economy, for want of a better expression, how do we make sure that companies contribute to that? Um, and how do we make sure SMEs, who are the backbone of the econ- of a lot of national economies, yep. how do we make sure they're part of that picture as well? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. We've always been strong advocates of getting other sort of organisations and even NGOs to look at assuring parts of a report. Yeah. So it could be I mean, we, we, I think we read a lot of reports, which are obviously based on very good methodology. They get the details and the technicalities right. Um, but sometimes you have the impression, you know, when you close a report that it hasn't quite captured the essence of whether yep. a company is really contributing to greater sustainability yeah. to to a more sustainable economy. Which is often and I think what they say in their story, but you know, they're maybe not. It's often what up. they say in their story, yeah. but yeah, you can't see the wood for the trees in, in many in many respects. So the, all the trees are right, um, but you can't really see the shape or nature of the, of the yep. wood. Um, in that respect. And I think maybe bringing in independent assurers who can say, um, look, you know, we looked overall at this and the company is doing the right things in the right areas and it has, it is having the right impact on local communities or, or it's not. Uh, and I think that really opens, it opens up that field, that assurance field to 
people who can make a more qualitative judgment yeah. as well as the quantitative judgment. It'd be interesting to see if the big four jump on this and try to come up with an offering because if I was them, I'd be seeing a bit of a, an opportunity, but a bit of a risk for my business well, as well. Here. Yeah. I mean, I think that from what we've seen already, they'll put um, a lot of emphasis on their own expertise. Yeah, of course. Which is, which is, a, which is their trump card in effect. Mm. We've been doing this for years. We've worked with financial regulation for years and we already know your company because we've been sitting here doing the books for three or four years. So yeah. we can also do uh, we can also do your non-financial reporting. One of the things that you talk about when we spoke about this previously is this alphabet soup of standards. You have the IRC, you have the GRI, you have the EU directive that we're discussing just now. You have the taxonomy, you have IFRS developing something, you have you have CDP, you have IRC merging with um, SASB. I mean, this is another thing, right? <laughs> How- yeah, now we, now we have CSRD. So yeah. now we have the corporate sustainability reporting, reporting directive. Yeah, if I've I mean, got that right. yeah, I mean, where where do we go? I mean, they they tackle this in this publication as well, and I'll, I'll read a little bit from that. So they, they say, how will EU reporting standards fit with global standards, especially the standards that the International Financial Reporting Standards Foundation is planning? And actually, for me, the the text they give the proposed the proposed EU sustainability reporting standards would build on and contribute to standardisation initiatives at a global level. I, I've <laughs> to sort of be cynical here and say it sounds like there's a bit of a, a war a bit of a turf war going on here and to me there is this doesn't bring anything together this just adds another one to the max but maybe with more weight behind it given it's the EU what do you think about that I mean where what, what does a company do to well I mean it, it doesn't in the short term I mean I think there is a bit of a turf war going on because regulators and governments recognise that with the increase in sustainability reporting there needs to be some kind of unified system So it's now a question of who gets to define that system, who gets to say what companies should should report on or shouldn't report on. So as a result, you've kind of seen an explosion in all these different um, all these different sort of organisations, and we've seen we've got this sort of alphabet soup of different of of different um, standard setters and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I think you're seeing in many ways in this respect, you're seeing the Commission say, well, look, at the moment, a lot of standards are in effect being dictated by banks and creditors because they want reporting from companies that they lend money to. And the commission is probably saying, I would suspect, we don't want to just let the field, leave the field open to banks to dictate what, what companies should be reporting. We want to have something that's a little, that's more official, that's wider, that's the, that we determine. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the first thing that's happening. The second one is that as we move to more standardization and more people sort of get on board with this idea that you're going to need global standards, similar to um, financial reporting standards. There's then going to be a fight over who gets to determine those. I mean, mm. we've seen the same sort of fight over financial standards between the you know, IFRS and US GAAP and so on. So I think that's that's going to happen. So this is a way of, of, of the commission pitching their tent and saying, look, um, this is what we would like to see and we would like to see this globally. Okay, they talk a little bit about the cost. What is the cost burden of this on on companies? And I think mm. this is interesting. They're 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 saying that the aim is to reduce reporting costs for companies over the medium to long term. So that says to me, by uh, definition, and maybe reading between the lines, this is going to be an extra cost, and it absolutely is for for SMEs. You have never had to do this report before, you know, this type of reporting before. Yep. They might have to up their game, which again benefits you know people like ourselves who, who help companies do this. But you know, this is 
something that maybe they're just not prepared for. On the other hand, and one of the reasons that they, they think this is, is is the direction that companies are going anyway, this is uh, the, the type of information that is likely to make its way into the standards that they develop for these SMEs is something that SMEs are having to do anyway to access capital these days or large procurement contracts. They're having to get this information together and show how their company is adhering to sustainability standards in quotes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it comes down to really whether you buy the commission's argument or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the commission, the commission is basically saying, well, you know, if you compare with five years ago when you didn't have to, you didn't have to um, report on any non-financial data. Um, of course, there's going to be an additional, there's going to be an additional burden in terms of resources and in terms of costs. But actually, the fact is that the market was going this way anyway. Your yeah. banks are going this way. The creditors are going this way. So you would have had to to do it in any case. So this is not going to add anything to that. In fact, we're trying over the medium and long term, we're trying to simplify things for you so you have one clear set of standards to report again. Yeah, one of the things they say in the text is the Commission's proposal is an opportunity for an orderly, cost-efficient solution to the problems posed by this increase in demand, which is what we just spoke about. Yeah, which is in effect. uh, And I think, you know, if you see, if you look at some of the bigger companies today what do they actually report on you know they they do tcfd reporting um they possibly report against the cdp they may use the gri they may use sasb they may use the irc all of this adds to the burden on them the complexity and the resources they need to devote to to reporting and it means also that the quality of reporting actually suffers because it just becomes too difficult for investors and and readers of reports to to see the wood for the trees um to see exactly what's important we see it with they don't know which way, which yeah, direction to exactly. head sometimes, um, so it's it's difficult. To finish up, I think it's good. Let's talk about timing of this. There's another set of letters here for you to get your mind around, and that is EFRAG, the European Financial Reporting right. Advisory Group. This is a, a group, I believe, a private group that is receives a, some input from the Commission itself. They've been tasked with putting these proportionate standards together, which will apply to SMEs, and they're talking about having these draft uh, standards ready by mid. 2022, which sounds far away, but you know, things are just moving so quick now. I mean, that's just next year. And assuming no delays to the Commission's work and approval and feedback, etc., from the member states, uh, they would be adopted by the end of 2022. So you're really only looking at a year and a half from now, potentially, this could be law. Yeah, you're looking uh, what three three reporting cycles ahead. Yeah, well, but it's interesting to say that that's when it would be adopted. But the reporting companies would only have to apply it to the reporting year of 2023, which would then be 2024 when you publish that report. Okay, like so yeah. there is a bit of time there, but it sounds like a long time. But you know, these things just creep up on you, and if you're one of these companies, you know, this is this could be a um, this could catch up on you. So I think companies need to take this serious. Yeah, and there's always an advantage. We, we've seen it with actually with previous regulation. There's an advantage in getting ahead of the curve, actually being one of the first reporters in this area because you have an opportunity in effect to shape how the regulation is uh, implemented. Okay, so on that, we're going to finish up. That was a, a quick bite-sized Cohen report and uh, we'll be back with more in the future. So thanks, Simon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you love the Cohen Report, hit subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget, you can find notes and materials discussed on the show at thecohenreport.com or follow us on Instagram at thecohenreport. The Cohen Report. How will you report next year?